I guess one of the big things that came out of my marriage is, is exactly that. Like I, I want to explore and I want the strange and unusual. I don't want the conventional, you know, I don't, I, I, by the time I get done living this life, I want to be able to look back and said, you know, I did it. I checked it out. Everything that was interesting to me, I, I got a chance to do. In thousands of cities and towns all over America, as sure a sign of spring as the greening of the trees is the whistle of the calliope and the raspy voice of the bark as the circus, the carnival, and the sideshow begin another season. Tonight I'm going to take you back over a hundred years to the days of P.T. Barnum, his sideshow and his human oddities. I'm going to introduce you to some extraordinary people with extraordinary heroic stories to tell. This week's guest is one of those remarkable people. It's Dr. Jeremy Weiss. He is an interventional radiologist. So that's a doctor that um, it's not just scanning your foot to see if it's broken. They're doing surgical procedures. He is also an amateur magician uh, and mentalist. In fact, he has a show called the i think it's called shock doc and he does those kinds of performances where when you're watching you start wondering whether you should call for an emt because he may um, suffocate himself and also whether you'd be sued by just sitting around watching that happen and not doing anything about it um <laughs> so it's pretty intense um he's also someone who's you know he's been pretty focused on the strange and unusual most of his life on oddities you'll hear him talk about that we had a fantastic conversation in vegas um at a mind reading convention that he was in t- attending you can imagine a kind of crappy Vegas hotel with about 150, 200 uh, professional magicians sharing best practices, maybe different ways of tricking people into believing what that they're that they're seeing. Um, and I would I would uh, maybe describe that community of performers as uh, in your mind's eye as you know kind of socially awkward people, mostly guys who have um, wacky haircuts and wear things like capes. Um, So it was pretty entertaining to be there. Anyway, Jeremy and I had an awesome conversation back at his room. Um, He's had what I would call a PTSD kind of level of trauma uh, where your whole life is turned around. Um, And I think all of us have to some level. You could think of your own life as having something so traumatic happen where you have to step back and really evaluate the decisions that you've made, who you are as a person, the messages that you've been giving yourself. And that's something that I think listening to the conversation with Jeremy um, will will really help a lot of folks out there, especially anyone that is in his very unique situation, which you will hear from him. Also, if you have not yet gone to growbigalways.com, not only do we have obviously this and other episodes there, but we have the show notes that get emailed to you automatically every single week if you sign up. And by show notes, I mean it's just a few bullets that get sent to you. It is not a newsletter um, of the really kick-ass references and resources that people mention in the Grow Big Always podcast. So be sure to go to growbigalways.com and sign up. It's at the bottom of every page and have 
those bullets um, sent to you so that you don't have to write anything down while you're on the elliptical machine or whether you're um, underwater helping, um, I don't know, inseminate sharks with the special medical equipment that you use in your profession. However it is that you're listening to the show, um, it's a great way to get those show notes sent to you without you having to stop and write stuff down. Also, be sure to go to the Grow Big Always Instagram account to see what some of these folks look like um, and get a little bit of the behind the scenes of the conversations. So let's get started with this week's guest, Dr. Jeremy Weiss. This is Grow Big Always. I'm Sam Lawrence. Jeremy, hi. Hi. We're sitting in the hotel room that O.J. Simpson shot somebody in in Las Vegas. What? What? Or no, he came in and robbed somebody, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, was, uh, the, mem- the memorabilia. I don't know. I don't really remember what the story was. This I mean, like he came in to get his memorabilia back right. and held a gun, held a you know. Held, this was post the the murder of. Yeah, post. Right. This is like the thing he's in prison for right now. His alleged murder. Right. So we're sitting inside the room. Well, I might have just told you a story. Oh, okay. Well, it's close enough. <laughs> We're in the anyway, same hotel, at least. And, and that story is perfect for kind of this thing that I'm here for. I, I came out to see you at a what? Where? What's going on that you're attending here in Las Vegas? We're at a convention of mind readers. Mind readers. Mostly mind readers. Mostly. And magicians. You and know, magicians. That too. A mind reader convention... Um, and and you are my, my brother-in-law. That's right. Yeah. I don't understand why we have to have a convention because everybody should be able to just sit at home. and. Yeah, why do people still have to get together in person anymore? I don't know. Well, I'm, mentalists shouldn't have to at all. Oh, yeah, they should actually be able to know right. whether... They could so... just sit at home and, and do it. Why do they have to have a conference? <laughs> Let me ask you a question because you just took me to one thing in a room full of mind readers, and I got exposed just for a little bit, but... The one thing I noticed was not so much all the mind reading going on and the disclosures of secrets of how certain things are done, but what's up with everyone in magic and in this mind reading convention's hair? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they they tend to wear their uh, hair for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> right, because there is some... Some crazy hair. Some crazy hair. And they're yeah. all, uh, these are all like older white dudes. I know the guy on stage, Colin, is young and he has wacky he hair. He has wacky hair. But, it, but basically, if people imagine in their head what a mind reading convention is like, it's, it's basically, there's about... 100 people or so, 150, they're sitting in a room, people are getting up on stage, they're doing their mind reading act, yep. and then they are disclosing, Not, even, I mean, some so, of their methods, some of their methods, because most of the people in the room kind of know how the trick is done, and it's kind of the nuances, of, and if it was like a chef, it'd be like, look, you guys all know how to make creme brulee here, but like, what I do is I... Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're talking about little details, and and they're using the nomenclature of the of the culture mm-hmm. you know so you so you have been in magic uh, you are you are a amateur ma- magician yeah you have this show called the the shock doc yeah uh-huh which is a kind of is kind of shocking magic right um but this is not really what you do for a living well, you, i have moved of. yeah kind of i mean You're yeah not for things. not for a living yeah right. i'm a i'm a physician 
more specifically, how, you're a interventional radiologist. Yes, I'm a right. vascular and interventional vascular. radiologist. Right. I don't know what that means. Right. And and so there's been like an interesting like there's kind of doctors that are at this thing, and then I've met like a little quick kind of pattern recognition is that there's also lawyers. Yeah. So and, and so is there a kind of like a um, like what's up with these doctors and lawyers and stuff that are all into magic? Is there some weird like what's up with that? Why are so many? What's how did you? Let's start with you. You're you you got you you're like someone who goes around, and not only are you into magic, but you collect oddities and like go to like sideshowy kind of things yeah. and get and there's like this fascination with the kind of I wouldn't unusual call it the, the unusual That's yeah the best of way course of putting it. that's what life is all about really I mean being fascinated with unusual things or? yeah well I mean getting a chance to experience unusual things I mean yeah. if all of life was you know like that uh, it would be boring if there was nothing fun. And strange and you know little dead fairies and jars and and Fiji mermaids and I mean those are the fun things the things that inspire curiosity and wonder and and I don't know I haven't let that go from being a little you know from when I was a little kid was there a time when you were a little kid where, no like, there was no time where I was a little kid <laughs> <laughs> when you like were exposed to some like oddities at a show or how oh yeah know? well that's 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 it I mean sure um, what happened was Sorry about that. That's okay. What happened was I grew up in Florida and um, Florida is like the world's capital of sideshow, bad hair, no sideshow. And uh, that's where all of the people come to winter. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. And there's a little town called- Wait a minute. Florida is where all the people that are into sideshows go- in the wintertime. In the wintertime. Yeah. And there's a little town called Gibson Town. And the town is filled with, you know, um, dwarves and fire eaters and monkey ladies and three-legged men and all sorts of crazy. There's a whole town. It's a whole tiny town called Gibson Town. We call it Gib Town for short. And it's in Florida. And every year, if there's a carnival and uh, they have a sideshow and they pull these guys out of, you know, for their act. There's giants and... It's all sorts and did of crazy you live stuff. near these people? Like, so is that? Yeah, the town is re- the town is very close by. You okay. know, the town is close by, and uh, and you can go there just to visit. You know, and that's what happened to you. Oh well, no, I mean, I got into magic. Uh, well, what happened was I was I, I got a chance to see amazing sideshows, mm. um, which were really inspiring, and I wanted to be able to do these sort of supernatural, you know, amazing things. And so when I was eight, you know, like every other only child, I was trying to do magic tricks to increase my social network. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally got a little bit um, disenchanted with magic because I felt like it was always, um, it was, it, it, you know, if you were linking two, you'd see someone linking two rings together on stage. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not very magical. Because if you were a magician, a real magician, if you had magical powers, you wouldn't use it to link and unlink two rings. You would right. do something far more spectacular. Like cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some of the most amazing m- magic tricks speak uh-huh. to that, like a, something called Miser's Dream, where they're pulling cash out of the air right. and into the bucket. That's more of what people want. 
Yeah, and like link, linking rings or pulling a ferret out of it. Well, ears. it'd be nice to 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 go back to some of the older things when magicians had more standing in society. You know, they were high priests and advisors to kings and things like. Now they're just if you now if you now they're sideshow acts. Well, yeah, well now or now you open up worse. the you open up the the yellow pages and you look for magician and it just says see clowns. See clowns. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Right. You're right. They're kids. T- kind of entertainment thing yeah it's it's gone from twisters being high priests to being balloon twisters right exactly so anyway so i i i was nearby this little town and i was uh had uh you know was doing my own little magic and finally I, like i said i got disenchanted and i decided that i wanted to learn quote real magic unquote so i went and studied at that? coney everyone's, island everyone's basically protecting their how do you get in to learn the thing if everyone's like no, i can't tell you how it's done well I, you know i mean that happens, but and, and certainly people keep things close to themselves that they don't tell anybody. But when you're involved in the culture, um, you know, then people are more open, hmm. you know, especially if there's a exchange of ideas, especially over gin and tonic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so you're so you're a kid, and you start. And when, how old were you when you start thinking like, okay, I don't want to do rings. I want to do like. Oh, rings. I was much older. I was like okay. twenty. Three yeah, or sure. something like that. After you figured out that scarves out of your nose was not that interesting. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is all going on, and then at the same time, you're like, did your 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 dad's a doctor? Yeah. Um, you guys are living in Florida. Yeah. And so, like, while did you know you wanted to be a doctor also, or like? What? Yeah, I was. You, I you was. That. Well, yeah, I was you know, raised in a Jewish household and... Oh, so you're a doctor. Yeah, exactly. You got to be a doctor. And if you're a little bit retarded, you're a lawyer. And if you're very, you can't function at all, then you become an accountant. Right. (laughs) Jeez, you know, I don't even know. That must mean something about me. But anyway... I should never use that word. I I shouldn't have... Can you back that up? Yeah, sure. I'll back that up. Anyway, um, (laughs) so what... what, So so you got to... You you know, you're doing your doctor's thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you've been... uh, And and your dad was an interventional radiologist. Yeah, you kind of inherited that that's what i'm gonna do right yeah pretty much okay yeah and it turns out that i'm good at it which is kind of unusual most people who get steered into a profession hate it i think if 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 if, if they're steered into profession from external circumstances and pressures dad or mom or something says you're doing this and and all this but you actually like it and did it and exactly you're writing you wrote like you published a book way before it was possible to publish a book easily, and you <laughs> patented something, or I don't know what the hell. What did you do? It was some kind of wacky, cool thing really early. Eh, I've patented stuff. Whatever. Patented stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so um, you were telling me earlier that, that there's this, this like magic thing is also kind of like there's control elements to it as well, right? Or was that, was, were you saying that? Like there's kind of like... You mean control of other people and the way yeah, they think and, yeah. and boxing them in? Yeah, of course. There's, there's there's all sorts of uh, verbal things that you can use to um, make things seem like it's a free choice when in fact you're actually limiting people's choices. Is that kind of like connected to the whole doctor thing in control too, in a way? Like, because you're kind of like... I don't know, to even like get into the practice, there's like a sense of getting a map and understanding the lay of the land and like of the map of the human body and map of kind of the way everything is supposed to be. And then you're kind of working through that system and there's like a kind of a control, you're, contro- you're having to control the yeah. 
the what's going on somehow and I think or is, I th- am I reading too much into it? No, no. I, I think the probably the thing that links the two fields uh, the most strongly is that both are extremely detail oriented, right? So when I'm doing a procedure, I'm threading little wires and catheters from people's legs into their brain and lassoing a clot and pulling it out. And you can imagine that takes a very detail oriented uh, mindset. And same thing with magic. Like if you move your finger this way, then everybody can see the card that you're trying to hide or you have to do it. You know, it's precision. It's, It's, you know, it's, it's every little thing that you see is, it's got to be scripted and choreographed. Otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah. Interesting. And then, um, so like there's an interesting pattern there. And then there's also like, we were talking about some other super wacky stuff, like, um, um, I don't know, like alternative cultures that, um, like the whole BDSM community or (laughs) any of that kind of stuff. That's also super detail oriented. Right. And like about control. And there's like a, there's like a, there's an interesting thing there. So, um, so, so that's kind of like a, it's been like a, I don't know. There's like a, there's like an interesting pattern among all three of those things. I would have never mm-hmm. connected being a doctor and magic and that all together. Yeah. I think it's a most, mostly, you know, detail and it's sort of being a doctor is also kind of solitary. Being a magician is somewhat solitary. Yeah. Yeah. So what, um, how, you know, there must be an interesting, first of all, I always ad- admire people who have um, for a living or even if it's not for a living, if it's just social and they're doing some sort of cause or something, but they're like putting themselves out there for a lot of the parts of the world that is outside of their bubble, right? So you're dealing with the general population, mm-hmm. you're dealing with people of all kinds um, and having to engage with them. And, um, and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm always blown away by that because I personally am just too, I, I, I don't know, I, I kind of run from that a little bit. I have, I have to feel comfortable in my little pocket. <laughs> um, but I know that being a doctor, you know, you've seen so many different kinds of people dealing with so many different kinds of things. And I remember one time you invited me to into, into kind of, I guess it was like a, to see a procedure or something? Yeah, to see a procedure. And mm-hmm. I sat in the room and I was watching the nurses and you, and you put on like Led Zeppelin or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and this person's on the table. And I remember just thinking like, wow, because I was watching everyone's kind of body language yeah. and how they each, even their physiology. Hier- hierarchy and yeah. And, yeah. and how they're dealing with like, there's a real person just like right there. Um, is that ever like, is there like a weird separation that occurs among like, how do you not, are there like defense mechanisms or like separations that have to happen when you're dealing with people like that? Well, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, uh, that, that somewhat comes naturally in the sense that you, for the most part, you don't know people well enough that your emotions get in the way of what you have to do. Right, yeah. you you know them as a person uh, who has a problem, and you're going to try to fix the problem, and um, you know certainly there are patients that you become close to. Let's say there's someone who has a recurrent situation that they're going to come back to, and you develop a relationship with them, and it's it's going to be different for sure. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be different. But, you know, in that case, rather than compartmentalizing stuff, I just feel like, you know, I'm doing something for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I take off the doctor's hat, actually, even though I'm using the doctor's technique, um, as opposed to the other thing when when people are coming in and I just need to use my doctor technique. How have you seen people change? You know, I, I presume there are situations where you're going in and you're sharing pieces of information with them about their health that dramatically, dramatically affects the rest of their life or, sure. you know, how, like, are there, how have you, you know, are there patterns among that that you've seen that people have had to go through or, or how do you even deal with like, um, that, I mean, cause that I'm trying to imagine myself, you always see it in movies or shows or something where you like go in and it's like, Hey, you know, I've got some bad news, Mr. Parkinson, you know? <laughs> oh God, Mr. Parkinson. <laughs> I've got two bad, I got bad news for you Double twice. Eight. Yeah. Your, ba- your last name is ironic. So, um, what do you do? Like, like there, I mean, is there, is there, I guess what I'm asking is when you have to come in and give people that piece of information, how has that affected you first of all, and how do you deal with it? And then how, what do you see is required from them in order to, 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 to change, to, to deal with this thing? Uh, people have a really hard time changing, I think. And I think we all kind of know this in the back of our minds, that kid who was a jerk in kindergarten, you see him 20 years later at the reunion and he's still kind of a jerk. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, they do. Exactly. Right. So people often, you know, we see a lot of people who don't change their habits and, you know, you're patching them up and then they're going to go back to their burger and fries and they're going to be, be back on your table. And that's, that's somewhat disheartening. You're doing it even though you, it's kind of like spinning in the wind. You know, you're, you, you, you know that you're fighting an uphill battle, but you're trying to do the best that you can. Um, and then there are, of course, are other people who are much fewer and farther between, but they do make changes and, you know, they do pay attention and they do take your, your advice seriously. And, and that's, that's the people who we're working for. Yeah. And we're working for everybody, but it's, it's nice when it's special. So, and I mean, to be, um, a doctor and dealing with this all the time, I mean, everyone, anyone that's even close to someone in the medical field knows that basically their whole lives get sucked up into running off to something all the time. They're always dealing with something. Um, um, and it's interesting. You and I were talking earlier downstairs at the fantastic, (laughs) uh, bar they have here at the ashtray of Las Vegas, ashtray of Las Vegas. And, um, and, and you were saying that doctors themselves, um, that it's interesting that doctors themselves don't um, follow a lot of the paths that these people are going through. Right. I think what you were talking about specifically is, is um, people at the end of their life. Yeah. Right. And the type of care that they get. And the do- uh, there's been literature that's shown that doctors um, don't do a lot of the things that the patients do towards the end of their life. They don't want to have these, you know, heroic life-saving procedures. They just, they, they just, um, they know that the heroic life-saving procedures is not really going to be a miracle and they would be much more happy or happier 
just going out peacefully. Yeah. And, you know, that is because we see the real, you know, ins and outs. And for individuals who are having this experience with a relative, that's probably their first time having to deal with it or their second time having to deal with it. And so, you know, they want to have everything done. And those lead to hard discussions when you have patients, family who wants everything done in the face of something that you know is impossible. Yeah. Cause I mean, you were, it was, I hadn't thought about it this way, but you were saying like, look, you know, in medicine, there's really, <laughs> there's really not that much that you can do, even though the artifice of it is like, Oh, it's all this kind of machinery that we can do and blah, 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 blah. But really like right. there's not, yeah, that not much. much. Right. Exactly. I mean, we do, uh, a lot and there's a lot of of um, different fields right and specialties and and that's because there's a lot of information um, but I think the reality is like I said before you know the humans weren't meant to accelerate to 50 miles an hour and crash into a tree we're pretty good at fixing that mm-hmm. up patching because things. it's a yeah patching things because mm-hmm. you know um, uh, but then there's other m- more complicated issues and we have no idea what we're doing we're just making it up as we go along yeah yeah but we're all kind of like kind of tricked into a oh this sort of melt we're i think we're all tricked into this more sort of marcus welby like we can fix anything right you know and uh medicine is the answer right yeah so is that really disheartening like after you go in and you've you've seen that answer do you know what I mean? Like, is that obviously you didn't think that when you started your career? No. See, the the thing is, being a physician, that I think physicians forget is that we're we should not be trying to heal you or cure you. We're we're trying to ease suffering, and you can have a sick patient who's not suffering. That's fine. That's fantastic. Or you can have a well patient. We all know people who are are well, who are just you know phlegmatic complainers. Right. And. Um, yeah, there's a difference. So, so yeah, so here you are. You're like sucked into this whole world. It's overwhelmed your whole life um, being a doctor, <laughs> and um, and you and you're married to my sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's we're ex married. Well, I mean, divorced. at the time, oh, you yeah. were married to my sister, right? And you guys are divorced, but um, I think what um, you know that's not an uncommon thing, and in fact. I mean, I'm divorced, right? Like lots of people get divorced, sure. but what happened over, to you? Over 50%. Different. Yeah. What yeah. It was a little bit different. What happened to you? <laughs> uh, well, you, your sister left me for another woman. Yep. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, we were married for about 15 years and I had a couple of kids. We have two kids and you know, I had no idea. Um, and um, it's interesting. What's interesting is that um, there's very little research on, uh, um, gay spouses uh, or, or spouses coming out of the closet and how that affects those around them. And there's there's very little sociologic ref- uh, research on that. But what I have found is that I'm involved in, in various support groups and have read the few, I think, three books out there about straight spouses being left by a gay spouse. It's so interesting that there's not a there's lot. There's not a lot of, Why of study. Why do written I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, it's especially in today's age where right. it's becoming more and more... Oh, I mean, the, the, our everybody's coming out. is now very, very aware of... 
gay relationships or mm-hmm. LGBT relationships right. and um, all the different flavors that are going on in there. But the fact that there's not there's no work. real support groups. Yeah. It's a very it's very okay, there's sorry. one called the Straight Spouse Network. Um, and what happens is well, what's interesting is that you can see. Well, I can see from all of the people that I've uh, interviewed and, and discussed is that there's a very specific pattern to um, uh, when a gay spouse leaves a straight spouse. What is it? Oh, the straight spouse undergoes a lot of um, different type of uh, a, a different type of self questioning than happens in a conventional divorce. Right? There's they they go. How could I have made such a mistake? How could I have picked someone who is absolutely so wrong for me. So there's a, this incredible amount of um, of uh, blaming of oneself and and distrust over over your own judgment, right? There's a tremendous sense of like, oh my God, I, I picked someone so wrong for me that I don't, I couldn't possibly trust myself to pick, make another choice. Right. So I mean, like, I I've got, I mean, so it's it's more than just like, man, did I make a bad choice? It's like. I made a bad choice, yeah, but like, how could I make a bad choice where I wasn't aware that my spouse was gay? Like, yeah, it's a huge like. That's a totally another level. Right, of you've been with someone doubt. for fifteen years and you think you know them. I mean, the level right. of deception is, is like as if you know. Uh, you you know, uh, it's different than ha- someone having an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, right, it different. operates at a completely different yeah. uh, level. So there's a lot of self doubt, and I took a lot of time to rebuild you know I had to take a lot of time to rebuild myself and and um, and a lot of that was sort of you know psychological exploration and so the patterns are like okay I, I doubt my choice oh yeah so there's patterns amongst uh, both the straight spouse and the gay spouse. So the gay oh. spouse who's in d- denial most of the time, right? Denial These are of the fact, of the that, fact that they're gay. And oh, really? So the, so in the relationship, the gay person doesn't know that maybe they're gay? Sometimes, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they haven't figured it out themselves, which means, well, well what type of people can't figure out their own sexuality? I don't know what type of people can't figure out their own sexuality. Can like people not in touch with themselves? People not in touch with themselves, exactly. Yeah. So you're dealing with a whole population of people who are in denial or not in touch with yourself themselves. And so, if someone has that capability of such a depth of denial hmm. about this one thing of, them, of their own sexuality and or right, they have the capability of compartmentalization and. Uh, you know, more than anybody else, right? That's a well-honed thing. They've been in the closet and right. they've got to stay in the closet and they know exactly how to do that. But it's not like they're aware of it though, right? That's what you're saying. It's not that they're aware that they're in the closet. Sure. They're sometimes they're not, not some, Sometimes they're not aware, but sometimes they are aware. You have a lot of oh. gay men, uh-huh. right, who go to the gay bathhouses and oh, stuff like right, that right, when they're, right, 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 they're right. sneaking sure. off. Sure. Yeah. But, and if they are sneaking off and having an affair, you know, so there's health issues that the spouse worries about, sure. HIV, you know, were they infected, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Lots right, of stuff, yeah. yeah. What are the other patterns on both sides? Um, off the top of my head. Um, the self-doubt is really uh, the first part. You know, what's interesting is that there's also a lot of judgment from 
from people outside the circumstances. They say things like, how could they possibly have not known? I mean, how could you not know that your spouse was gay? Uh, they must have been in denial. So there's that kind of microaggression that happens because that's in fact not necessarily the case. How could you know? Oh, or the other one. All right, his wife is bi. I bet you they were having a really great time. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that's another kind of microaggression because uh -huh. it's it's not not the case. They don't realize that the people are suffering so much. Yeah, it's interesting. And um, so so there's patterns amongst all three groups, right? The straight spouse, the gay spouse, uh -huh. and then the external population. But what about? I mean, in this case, you guys had kids. Yep. So then, there's also how you know how did we make how them do you ex no <laughs> i know you guys mailed away for them but yeah i mean how did you um <laughs> how, how, how do you explain to kids like okay not only are we not together anymore but we're not together anymore and maybe it's not a big deal to kids because they have absolutely no cultural kind of like they don't well, have all the baggage that adults have when it comes to that yet no not at all and yeah. if you start off with little kids and then it's fine. Yeah, they're they're fine. But right. it's interesting that okay, so that uh, a gay spouse coming out of the closet also has various effects on the children depending on how old the children are. Okay. Right. So if the children is very young, then you know they grow up with this situation as being their new version of normal. Mm. But older mm. kids who are uh, teenagers, you know, they will have an extremely different reaction. Right. They they might. Uh, be upset with the gay spouse for cheating or upset with their straight spouse for ignoring it or... Do they question themselves at They all? question themselves. Yeah. I think there's a, a slightly... I'm not sure, but I think there's a slightly higher uh, amount of sexual experimentation amongst... Um, Children. Ch where yeah, there's but I think it's very small. I'm not yeah. even sure it's I mean, they're significant. All kids are doing some experimentation. Sure. Yeah. Um, Wow. So, how long ago did this happen? Oh God, uh, five remember. at the end of two thousand and ten. End of two thousand and ten. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, first of all, you are, are, are very much. Well, I would, I would, if I were describing you to somebody else besides all the oddity stuff, <laughs> <laughs> I would actually describe you as a loyal family man. Aw. Um, you are. I That's mean, good. you, you yeah. are very family. Uh, whereas some people maybe don't put family as prioritizes high, yeah. you definitely do for sure. And um, and it's just something that I don't know. You hold extremely dear. So all of a sudden, and your parents did not divorce. No, um, your 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 dad has passed away. Yep. Um, but they were together forever, forever. Right. Um, and so it's not like you came from a family where that. They, they weren't married. Every, every family has its own dysfunction. Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. But, but what I'm so saying like, is is that, like, you know, here you are, you're a doctor, you're, like, overwhelmed with, like, work, you're doing this thing all the time, all of a sudden this thing happens, and it changes you. Your world is upside your down. Your world is upside down. Yeah. So how, And how have you been navigating all of this crazy shit? Well, the very first thing that I did, that's a great question, the very first, how did I grow throughout this, the very first thing that I did was I said, okay, clearly I can't make decisions that are good, right? Because I made a decision that is so wrong. Like I chose somebody who was so incompatible with me 
that I can't possibly make a decision. So what I'm going to do is I am going to go back from ground one and start wow. dating everybody I possibly can because I, I can't make bad I can't make good decisions. So so why shouldn't I date people who I ordinarily wouldn't date at all? That's what I should do. Oh, I see. So basically the vocabulary of what you thought would be good for you obviously was wrong. Yeah. So now you so instead of going after people who you would normally go after go after people who I want everybody everybody just everybody just anybody figure out you have to spend the time figuring out well what, what do I want out of a spouse and figure it out probably also I mean I'm, now I'm reading into mm -hmm. it but like you're also fucking going spent like you have to put all your energy into going through grad school and being a doctor and you've got fucking hobbies that are taking your time too and so you, you probably haven't also connected with oh totally who you are and what you want and you're you know you're you're if it was five years ago ish or so you're just 40 five now something like that right but five years ago when this all happened to you you were 40 years old yeah and you're like at a point in your life where you're like okay shit i've got to fucking go back and look at everything again now right totally yeah so right. you start dating all of these different women sure the first person not the first person but one of the first persons that i dated um was this enormously enhanced and you can figure that out um big penis <laughs> <laughs> Um, this uh, enormously enhanced woman uh, with absolutely huge breasts uh -huh. and was a uh, had her JD and her law her um, MBA from Stanford uh -huh. and she was a Playboy bunny. Wow! Wow! Way right? to just mix it up right off the bat. And like she was a salvo right off. She the bat. was also a madam and a madam. Uh huh. And when I met her, she was wearing an ankle like an ankle bracelet like, like one a, of the from the prisoner thing yeah like so like you know like you're on home or house oh, arrest yeah. or whatever well, totally dude, hot so like that is produce aisle you're like hey i like your, your anklet yeah and she's like let's go out totally so, <laughs> that's a good place to start right well, if you're gonna start someplace you gotta start totally right? just go yeah, off fucking a. crazy you yeah. know and 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 narrow it down from there you know cast a wide net so it's so yeah. So then you start dating like crazy. That's the first thing that you do yeah. to get through this. And what what other things are going are you doing to get through this um, during this process of the last five years? Because right, the first thing you start doubting doubting yourself, and you're like, okay, I better start dating a bunch of people. But are there other things that you're like, well, fuck. I mean, it's not just in. I maybe I need to rethink a whole lot beyond just this. I mean, did you like? decide I'm going to get into spirituality and try to like meditate more. I need to figure out myself more and like, or is it just dating? Like, other well, no, people? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm definitely trying to figure out what I like more and who I want to have in my life and what my expectations mm -hmm. of them should be. Um, and, you know, I'm going through an issue right now with my friends that I, I want some of some of my friends to be a little bit more more close and and uh, reciprocate. It's not easy. Um, it's it's not easy. Yeah. I I I I I mean, yeah. Just imagine your entire world upside down and backwards, and then uh, you know you can't even trust your own decisions. Sorry. So where do you think you are in this process of kind of this cathartic Ugh. forced cathartic? Ugh. I journey. hope to say that I'm pretty much out the other side is that um, something people always tell themselves because they want to believe it that they're out the other side yeah like well no, i mean know, a lot of people are like i've done that i'm, I'm telling you this because i have definitely said like i i think human beings want to put it constantly because being in pain yeah uh -huh. 
your brain is wired to go, I don't want to stay in a painful situation. So therefore I'm going to like tell myself either everything's okay or I'm on the other side or blah, blah, blah. And then later when you look back, you go, fuck, I was still in the middle of that thing. Right? Yeah. I think it's been five years. And so things are not as acute as they were. Right. Yeah. You know, and now I'm at the point where I, I try to help other people. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I, I'm on this like Yahoo group for uh, people in my situation and the story is the same over and over and over everybody gets on there and they write their story as an introduction to themselves and you can see people immediately in crisis and it's exactly the same i mean you could literally on a hundred of these um uh on a hundred of these things you you know people coming out you could literally write it just by by switching people's names and they're saying the same thing same thing what Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm it. I'm in, this ever happened to me. I'm an right. idiot yep. for for that. And, you know, there's all those, of course, they, you know, they talk about the more acute things like she wants the kids and I don't want that. And, right, you know, right. what do we do about normal this? Divorce normal things. divorce stuff, yeah. too. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's also interesting that those patterns, remember, mm-hmm. those those patterns that is a constant pattern for everybody in that situation is amplified by the culture of the family. So if the culture of the family is like particularly religious, this is gonna have like a huge effect. Right. Right, a different, a huge but different effect. Yeah. Um, wow. So you're spending your time there to try to help other people? Is that what you're doing? You're yeah. like trying to chime in and like, hey yeah. man, I've been through this, blah, blah, blah. Totally, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, you opened my eyes up and like I, I I don't know if you remember this conversation but we were talking about my sister being gay and um we were driving someplace in Seattle which is where you uh-huh. live and um you said something like uh, about my mother and my aunt my great aunt <laughs> and you you said I don't remember what you said if whether you just outright said it or somehow indicated to the, the the fact that like that this gay the fact that that, that aunt, your aunt and mom haven't that that are that they're gay yeah and that, and, right and kind of pointed out the same patterns that were had been going on yeah and you know that was a, a and by the way my great aunt who's no longer with us and my mom who's still alive but i don't have a relationship with um you know, my mom has not come out and said she's gay. Right. But, so, I mean, that's arguable. But when you kind of went through that, I it really opened my eyes up a lot. And I was like, wow. And so I can, I guess what I'm saying is there's, I mean, I, obviously it's my mom, so it's a completely different relationship. But I definitely c- can relate to what you're talking about because I was like, wait a minute, how can have I not gotten that? Figured it out? Yeah. Yeah. How can have I, and so you start doubting the well, your you're your about. your aunt was like 97 years old when she passed away and had never been with a man. Never been with a man, and none of you us know, in and, the, and none the of you were said, like, "Is that kind of weird?" <laughs> yeah, none of you no guys one, were like. Right. Nobody was like. So that's, that's this pocket of denial that lives around. That's that whole. Oh, it's almost the same thing I was just telling you about. Of like, where are you in the journey? Are you sure you're where you are? Is because 
everyone tells a storytelling mechanism that feels okay because no one wants to not feel okay. So everyone just goes, that's just it. Yeah, that's right. It. Yeah, there's right. a million stories like that. Yeah, there, there is. People. Well, you know, I mean, this is my adventure. So whether or not it comes up again and again in the future, we'll, we'll have to see. But yeah. I, at, at this time, I think that things are less acute. Yeah. Yeah. But they definitely have had, you know, right. lasting effects for sure. For sure. Like, yeah. you know, it's a big deal, the idea of getting remarried again and things like that. That's like, you know. Frightening, probably. Frightening. Yeah, terrifying. Because, you know, you, you were with someone for a long time and didn't really know them. And probably like. D- didn't know the most intimate thing about them. Yeah. It's the most intimate thing. Sure. You know. I mean, well, it's the most intimate, not because of sex, but not it's knowing the core identity. person. Right, of the person that you're with when you. Yeah, it's like you know what it would be like finding out that your your it'd be uh, that your spouse is actually a spy working for the government, and that everything you had with them is actually some bullshit lie right. cover up. Which is like a such a paranoia among people that there's movies about that kind of shit. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's like you know an inadvertent lie that you've covered up that you you know th- that's been a secret. Yeah, and you blow your world open. Well, and like I said, just you kind of showing the pattern among my aunt and mom and sister <laughs> kind of blew my mind, too. And I was like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> it's the best magic trick ever. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, I mean, I think um, at some point, too, for you, it must be really, like, I can only imagine if you're getting single and then you go out and you're just, like, getting with as many people as you possibly can, that that kind of burns out after a while. And then you can. I don't know. you're like i'm on the other side of it well i'm still like having fun with it yeah that's good but i mean i think eventually my guess is eventually you your you your conformity mechanism in your head says i want to bond with somebody and be in some sort of relationship with them now what kind of maybe i have no idea i'm having fun right now so you you know i mean are you willing to talk about some of the things we were just talking about like of course some of the non-traditional things that your relationships that you're getting into (laughs) are you willing to talk about that sure edit it out if you don't want okay no i'll talk about it yeah i mean so what are they so what are they okay so about this a whale thing Narwhal. Okay. Narwhal. We'll we'll come back to narwhal. I I mean, part. Okay. So, right. I already alluded to the fact that part of my post uh, marriage exploration was sexuality and dating. Yeah. And which would, I mean, if you come out of your partner being gay and you're going out, I mean, you're going to try everything new again, like you said. So, yeah. I I had to figure out what it is that that I liked. That didn't work. It did not work. And so I have to start from, from scratch. And so, what did you do? Like, Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, the, you know, like I said, one of the first things I did was I started dating a lot of different types of people, people who I would never ordinarily choose because my judgment is poor. Um, And then I started to get involved in various communities. So there was a BDSM community Mm -hmm. and... um, um, now, how did you find your way into that? Had you already kind of been tinkering with that? And you're like, hey, now I have free reign. I get to jump right in. Or? No, it was just part of the whole thing that I wanted to. It was just part of sexuality that I wanted to explore. Okay. You know, I mean, there's many different aspects of sexuality. And, you know, there's Tantra. Um, you know, there's sex magic with a K. And there's uh, erotic hypnosis. And Fuck, I've never even heard of some of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Erotic magic? Is that oh. when you're like, presto, it's not really a small penis or you're, something. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> or you do, you do uh, yeah, um, 
you know, maybe something like, oh, you're going to have an orgasm when I touch your arm. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Totally. Erotic hypnosis is awesome. Erotic hypnosis? Yeah. Wow. And okay, keep going. So sorry, you're, you're interested in all this stuff. <laughs> so it's funny that actually what I realized is that I've developed all these skills over the years that I could move into the boudoir and had no idea. Like nobody can do medical play better than me, right? Medical <laughs> role play better than I can do it. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's some heavy yeah, that's stuff. something like, because if you mix that world though, doesn't I don't want to mix that up? world. Yeah, that yeah. Would just kind of fuck it up. No, yeah. I don't want to mix that yeah. world. That's, okay. yeah. I want that uh, that to be one one thing to be happy, fun place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you so you start getting interested in BDSM and then what happens? Well, just, I mean, all of it. I or wasn't, it. Not, not even necessarily just BDSM, but, okay. but, but all of it, any aspect of sexuality. Like I've decided so basically I'm going to make it in the beginning. Or are you just like looking it up or are you researching it, going on the internet and found, finding a community, okay. all of those things, okay. all of them all together. And you're like going in and you're like, Hey, I don't really, I'm curious. Yeah. Tell me about these things. Yeah. And, yeah. and like magicians, people will open up. If you ask them, people will open up yeah. to you. Get so close to the community first. Seattle has a very interesting resource. It's called the central, uh, the, the center for sex positive culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's got a, an amazing library. The foundation for sex positive culture has an amazing library and they throw various parties and stuff like that. And I've, I, which I've been to, um, and, uh, I didn't do anything at these parties, have sex or anything like that, but I was there, you know, checking it out and I want to be able to, them? it depends on what the party is. So like sometimes they might have on a Wednesday, they might have puppy play, mm -hmm. you know, well, or, I love puppy play. You go to the, in sure. the mall and there's like one of those cute pet stores and you go in there and you're like, who's a good boy. But <laughs> yeah. But you have to do that. It's people. It's people. Wow. Exactly. That's what or, really truly puppy play is. Yeah. What is it? Like a person who wants to be a little puppy and you, you know, like kitty play. Yeah, sure. Like puppy someone, play someone, goes way back. Okay. All right. I mean, there's, there's the puppy play is like one person acts like they're a dog. Yeah. And the other person sniffs their butt and that gets them excited. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the other person has to pick up their poop with a, with with a, a bag. Right, with a plastic bag and tie it in a knot and then have a right. neighbor, someone who acts as the neighbor, yell right. at them for it being in their space. or okay. Right. And throw it in some different garbage. Right. Okay. So so you go there and you're like, wow, there's some fucking crazy shit going on. Totally. Here. Exactly. Yeah. I want to see all this Show stuff. me everything. What show you got? Me, show me what you got. Exactly. I want to see, uh, see blood play. I want to see. Blood Edge play. play. I want to see. I want to see people edge play. Need hooks. But yeah, you know. I want to see it all. What is everybody doing out there? And okay. you know, you're finding out what everybody's doing. And believe me, everybody's doing some weird shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so like, don't don't worry about your your business being weird because it's believe me when I tell you that whatever it is you're doing, you're normal. Not, yeah, you've got a two of spades. Yeah, not not any like you're not a king yeah. of whatever. I don't know. No. So, so after Vegas, after the BDSM community, I started to explore the what they call the lifestyle community, which is a different community. It's swingers, you know, what you would imagine to be swingers. So uh, let me just go run through. There's polyamory, okay, right? right? That's more being in love with more than one person. Mm -hmm. There's having an open relationship where, you know, you might have a constant relationship with someone else, but you're both free, completely free to date other people. Okay. Right. And there's monogamish. Right, where people are mostly monogamous. Yep. And my, so there's a whole spectrum of, of, of that, of flavors of that in addition. And so, um, you know, I, I made friends in the lifestyle or swinger community and they throw fun dance parties and things like that. And that, that also furthered my knowledge. Yep. And then what, what's this whale? 
Oh, okay. So <laughs> we were talking about uh, narwhal before, and yeah. um, narwhal. so oh, right narwhal. So there is a um, a unicorn is a woman who might join a couple because if you're a couple and you're looking for someone a, to join you, someone in bed. to join you in bed, a woman. It probably starts with a woman, right? Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, he's like, yeah, yeah. It's less intimidating, right? Um, penises is bad. <laughs> I think so. Um, so <laughs> so. Um, so then, uh, you know, that's a, that person, that third person is called a unicorn because they're spectacularly difficult to find. They're and mythical they're creatures. They're mythical creatures. Yes. And so the male counterpart of unicorn is a narwhal, which is a, um, a whale that has a, a single horn or tusk coming God, out of its head. We've got the short end of the stick on that one. Yeah, I know. Like, how come the, we're like, we're basically the fat beast you were, we, we're yeah, a big old fat we're, we're a whale big ugly well they're like a beautiful horse awesome. with rainbow farting it, rainbows it, millions of people have tattooed on their lower back exactly <laughs> <laughs> or back uh, of their shoulder but anyway yeah. so i so got that's recently what a, that's what a, the male version is is a narwhal is a narwhal yeah and, and so but a male version of uh, so you are a guy who joins a couple uh-huh. And that's what a narwhal is. A woman who joins a couple is a unicorn. unicorn. Right. Yeah. And so okay. I was recently asked to be another couple's narwhal. But it was more than that. Wh- which one? It oh, was. okay. The second one. So, but right. So I was asked to be one couple's narwhal. I haven't uh-huh. decided as to whether or not I'm going to do it. Is there like an application it. process to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have, to, you have so. to write a personal statement. Um, yeah, an entrance so, exam. <laughs> so there's, the, and then like two days later, an old... Uh, friend came by and, uh, and asked me again to be a narwhal. So two narwhal offers within mm-hmm. two or three but days. Wasn't it like a? Yeah, the second one yeah. was more what's called cuckolding, which mm-hmm. there uh, when there's three participants, there's the cuckold queen. That's usually the woman. Uh, there is the cuckold, which is often a husband or a primary relationship of some type. Okay. And then there's the bull. And that's the man who um, fucks the cuckold queen, the queen. And generally, there's some element of humiliation going on Mm -hmm. where the bull and the queen, you know, might um, intimate or overtly right over, you know, just say to the cuckold that the reason this is all going on is because he's sexually inadequate and can't please his wife. And Mm -hmm. so there's this element of humiliating the cuckold. See, now I would, I would run into a situation where I would only think of jokes to tell about like, like I could not keep a straight face. I would be like, you know, you you suck at algebra. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I do that. I do that at my kids, kids (laughs) games. Actually, the kids soccer, they have soccer whatever they have and i'll just go shouts of random bits of enthusiasm (laughs) because all the parents are yelling something and who knows get them yeah Yeah, they're like you know get in the game and all this kind of stuff and so i just say random shouts of enthusiasm what have you learned like besides all these different i mean because this is interesting the way you're describing this sounds a lot like the way you were describing magic and the way you were describing medicine in terms of learning it's very detail oriented. Uh-huh. It's a it's a almost a researched approach where you're going in and it's uh-huh. the details of all of these different <laughs> things. And so, like, what have you, what what have you learned about what have you learned in just kind of seeing all of these different communities and flavors of things about either yourself or people or like you know about us mm. as as people. You know, either one of those two things. Like, where's the growth in 
um, in being exposed to all of that. Where's the growth? Yeah, for you or for them. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think it's been a transformative life experience. How? <laughs> How has it been a transformative life? Well, having sex with straight women, number one, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you should try it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's totally, totally so this different. Is what it's like. That's what yeah. I felt like. I was like, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was whole, so. yeah. so that's transformative. Normalization of relationships, you know. What do you mean? I think relationships that are, uh, you know, uh, it's really important to me now to have relationships that are authentic and and to have that trust. That's so you, hard. You learned that by going through trying all these different communities. Yeah, I think so because I, there's I, a lot. There's there's a million different ways for you to be authentic to yourself and mm-hmm. to to try to you know understand what it is you like and dislike for real and what are the things that make you happy mm-hmm. and go for them. I, I was at a situation where I didn't know what made me happy. Didn't yeah. know what made me tick. I got to do it. I got, you got to do the work. Yeah, that's interesting. So, do. What about the people on the other side of these couples or these people in the in these communities? I mean, are they do you feel like they're also on these kinds of journeys for them? Some of them. Or? I mean, some of them are in the lifestyle for all sorts of different reasons. Some, you know, that's what's a, what being a swinger is. It's called in the lifestyle. Right. I mean, and you know, maybe they just want to have fun. Maybe this is their, their community. May, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's all it sorts could be of a bandaid or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it like could be a psychological issue relationships and they're like, here you go or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But what I found is that there, there's a million normals, you know, everybody has their own normal. It's fine. What, um, what, what, uh, like, so have you settled into, a flavor of ice cream now that you've sampled a million? <laughs> like, I, I don't keep know. going back to chocolate monkey. Or I, I haven't sampled a million, but... Oh, okay. Uh, I'm working on that. Well, you sampled a lot more than your average, you know, person because, like, you're describing a lot of different things. Right, so but... You've had a chance to, like... I don't mean sample like you've had sex with a million That's people. what I... Yeah, right. That's I mean, right. like, you've been... You've been exposed, you've been exposed to different to cultures lots and lots of like different that. worlds. And so Absolutely. is there a world that you feel yourself Connected now with? connecting with that on the other side of, you know, Vanilla fam- Family Man before? That's a great... That's a great question. All I know is that for now, what it is I'm doing seems to work for me. And if I don't get any happiness out of it any more than I'll have to figure out something else and, and change. Yeah. So, um, you know, right now I'm just having fun and it's a great time. And these are great people and they're all super intelligent. And, you know, that that would be, I think, shocking for people to what, know. What, what? They, people really don't know what their neighbor is doing and they go to their physician or they go to their lawyer and, you know, they go to their accountant again, like we described. And then it turns out that those guys are going home and strapping themselves upside down, you know, uh, in the center of the room and having people flog them or something. It's, yeah. You have do no you, idea. Do you think that that is a generational shock? Like people our age would be shocked and older. You mean to know that everybody people, is? Yeah, like I just wonder sometimes if that's like no. younger people would be like, well, ah, fuck it. Like in, in, in an era of Snapchatting things and people being exposed one click away from black penises on the internet and yeah. cuck holding something or others and, you know, two women hanging from a chandelier that it's less shocking 
for a generation of people. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's less shocking yeah. because you know people are exposed to all these way kinds more. of things way more Just like an information. Yeah, so. and at way younger. Yeah, at an age. So I wonder if like the I can't believe my neighbor is, or I can't believe. I think you were starting to allude to the fact that like some of these people are like not what other people would imagine the sure. stereotypical definition of whatever those things you were talking about really are. So I wonder sometimes if it's the younger generation be like, no, I'm not fucking shocked at all. And the older generations are like, God damn it. I can't Way back it. when I was younger, we didn't have the, we, we didn't, didn't have, have, a have a vibrator, none of this Hitachi <laughs> business. Um, well, the funny part is that part of the research that I've done is uh, um, prior aspects of, of porn and sexuality, historical aspects of porn and sexuality. And we think that we've invented all. Yeah, yeah. We so haven't. Every era thinks they've invented. Every it all. era, right? Exactly. We We're so haven't. Best. I've got, I've got pictures of puppy play in Victorian times. I mean, as soon as the camera was invented, they turned around and started p taking pictures of naked people right, right off the bat. I right. mean, they didn't even stop. Yeah. There's and a you guy would be I follow on Instagram. I think his name is Jerry Saltz or something like S A L T Z. Huh? He's an art critic for he's a like, successful mm -hmm. art critic but his instagram account is so funny because it's basically a feed of um close to prehistoric porn yeah, you know what like, i mean it's the, like fic, yeah victorian, victorian and older i mean it's just like yeah. things in art from like the you know 1100s or 200 mm -hmm. or something ad or well do you know that the very first drawing that we have the very first drawing period yep. that was ever made is in the caves of France and it's of a vagina. It's the very first drawing. It's the original. You know that's just not a weird smudge. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's, I mean, we were, we were fascinated from the very beginning and, and, of, and like, the vagina is, rule. is they rule yeah, and true. they, you know, uh, the, the, there was, uh, this, the first most common, not most common, the, the first sculpture that was ever uh, discovered is a woman who's missing their head and arms with a huge breast and giant labia. So that's the first sculpture that that's the very found. first sculpture, and the very first piece of literature that we have is essentially a woman writing a tribute to um, a goddess Inanna, who uh, is a dominatrix. The very first piece of literature. Huh. So, I mean, sexuality has been the original muse. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, in, in so many ways, it was a lot more open and culturally, and the varieties of things were so much more, I guess, prevalent a, a while totally. ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. Roman times. I mean, There's a book that I have. The thing just smashed it into a pulp, right? Well, you know, it was about the 300 years after, um, after Christianity uh, started that things kind of clamped down as far as what sexuality was cold. I don't know. It's fascinating. I mean, because it's not like a puritanical sense of something where it was like, Oh, this is now culturally not okay. I don't really know. You know, there's, there's, um, there's a book out there called Roman sex, which mm -hmm. is, you know, a uh, pre-Christian sex right. and the sexuality that they had was off the chain. Yeah. It was totally off the hook. Like they had, they had brothels, they had, you know, uh, uh, pedophilia, you know, sex with boys was fine as long as you weren't the receiver. Um, you know, you, we know more about the sexuality at that time. And then 300 years later, it's just comes to a screeching halt. 
And nobody knows why? There's got to be somebody. I'm sure knows why. someone knows. I, I just haven't gotten is it, that answer yet. And is, and you said 300 years after Christianity or because yeah. that was a Roman example. So yeah. so Christianity starts to bloom. Starts to bloom and, and then, then all of a sudden something happens. Everyone gets uptight. Yeah. Yeah. Stories that the Jews tell each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I have a great picture, by the way, uh, which is uh, the earliest picture of a woman uh, wearing a wearing a um, strap on. Essentially. Like when? How? Oh, God, it's got it's Victorian again. It's Victorian. But and it's right after the camera. And actually, she's holding the woman is holding. I think it looks like a, a chair leg or a stool leg and a pair of what would be like Christmas ornaments draped over it so that it looks like a penis. And she's standing behind this guy who's holding his penis. And um, and she's got this big smile on her face like, yeah! <laughs> it's Christmas time, <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> and uh, he does not look too particularly happy. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, when you when the when there's a when one of the legs of the chair is <laughs> up, up wrong, yeah, yeah, that that'll do it. Um, wow, wow, and you so yeah, you have a pretty big collection of crazy shit. Yeah, I mean, just like you, like I went over to your house like a couple years ago or something like that. I guess it was the last time yeah. I was at your house, maybe yeah, two years ago. And you, um, like on the shelf, you've got like I have all sorts of crazy, fucking wacky stuff. Yeah, like what. Well, I mean, I, the house is filled with a lot of conventional sculpture and artwork. But yes, then, true. That's true, yeah. And then, I just mean like you Yeah, I've got some wacky things. stuff. Yeah, I, you know, but there's... Like, like ears of a gnome's... Like, it was like oddity type <laughs> Yeah, I have a dead fairy in a jar, and I have a Fiji mermaid, and I have an atomic fish, and a dead man's hand, uh-huh. uh, and a person's... I don't even want to say this out loud. Skin face... A person's skin face? Skinned. Skinned face. Oh, a an actual... F- just a face. Face that's been pulled off of somebody. Yeah, it's terrible. So, and that's just like out, what, above your, your fireplace or something? Or like yeah, out I think it's in my... See? Yeah, I think it's in my... Wow. my yeah. And dinner parties work out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it depends on well, what I'm serving. Yeah, yeah. Really. I don't want to come off as... Uh, as uh, it puts the lotion on its skin. I don't know. No, no, no. But you're, I mean, I mean but that, I have some funny stuff for some people that are listening. But I yeah. think like the fact is, is that you love unusual. Yeah. And that's unusual. Well, I, you know, one, I guess one of the big things that came out of my marriage is, is exactly that. Like I, I want to explore and I want the strange and unusual. I don't want the conventional you know, I don't. I, I, by the time I get done living this life, I want to be able to look back and said, you know, I did it. I checked it out. Everything that was interesting to me, I, I got a chance to do. All rocks were turned over. Yeah, you yeah. know. By the way, I um. I I, I want to thank you. There's uh, I'm switching subjects drastically. Right now. <laughs> it's but okay. ba- um. Uh, and and it's odd. you're sharing things that are odd, but it's very odd for me to share this too. And and it's something I've never even said to you. But um, back in the very, I guess it was like 2001 after 9/11 or something like that. I lost my job, and I was effectively homeless. My yeah. wife and my former wife and my two kids were homeless. <clears throat> and you and my sister, uh, you guys didn't have kids at the time. Uh-huh. Um, rescued us you like said you can live basically 
in our in our basement and you finished out your whole basement <laughs> in a couple and, of weeks yeah, yeah. And, i mean it but you know you like truly finished it out and made it like mm. into living quarters and let us come in and um well, we love you yeah but you you basically i was homeless and you gave us a place to live and i've never thanked you for that so that's not true you've thanked me many times no i've never really thanked you for yeah that, you have so. well you're very welcome i'll do it again also goes to show you kind of what person you really are so that people don't go skinless face. <laughs> <laughs> I have a great, I have two great, I have a skull cap, skull cap. So it looks like a bowl. Oh, a Jewish thing. Yeah. No, not, not a kippah <laughs> or a yarmulke, but I have an actual cap of a skull, top of a skull that's uh-huh. lined with silver. That's supposed to be like a Tibetan beggar's bowl. And then I have another one that is a, uh, it's two skulls of a, they're, they're mounted, back to back to the ver- the vertex of the skull so um and and it's a male and a female it's a um fertility drum i think hmm. it's like a, they've they've put skin across the oh they put human skin across the concave top. yeah exactly across the top and the the two skulls are are left to right you know they're reversed so that the top of the skull touches the other one and then you you know, turn this little, um, Oh, and it makes it, uh, synchronized. Drum. Yeah. It has these two little balls that come out and they hit one hits the front and one hits the back and wow. then you twist it and the other one goes, that away. is powerful. Yeah. It's pretty spooky. So uh, and do, do they, do they, do they, uh, do people think these two skulls of the man and the woman were like, they were married? Or I don't know. Or is there any backstory to this? I have, I uh, no, I skulls? bought this from an old showman, you know, who had passed away and I don't really know much about it. I, I should, I need to do some little research. That's kind of like spooky symbolic. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like I don't know that I would want a fertility ritual that involved dead people. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's like, Hey, wait a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, but I, I guess I was thinking like, I don't know. There's like potentially maybe there's the other half of the female skull for you that is waiting to be for music to be made <laughs> life um as you kind of come through here and uh, it's, i'm i'm having fun eat, checking out each member of the band <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm gonna stick to trombones yeah um thank you so much for for doing this for doing this conversation oh, thank you, you for having me you shared a lot well, thank you for having me. It's great. Um, your podcast listeners are really smart and intelligent, and it's, yeah, uh, it's nice are, to be they're here. Awesome. And um, and by the way, if anybody ever gets the opportunity to come to Las Vegas <laughs> and stay in the come, OJ room, stay in the OJ room and attend the uh, the conference called Mindvention Mindvention yeah. Convention, yeah. Um, you will be you will see a part of of the world that, that you never get a chance you to see ever ever seen before. Jeremy, thanks. Thank you.